18 years ago, the Oregon wine community lost a legend with the passing of Jimmy Brooks. His sister Janie has been at the helm making Brooks wine an incredible destination. I had the opportunity to chat with Janie. We talked about what Brooks is today and what it might look like when Pascal, Jimmy's son, returns to the winery. Please take a quick second to hit that like and subscribe button. I would appreciate it and enjoy this conversation with Janie. Janie, thank you so much for you know taking the time out today. You've been uh, super busy and just I think you just got here in Oregon yesterday. Last night. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. I can't thank you enough. Happy to be here. Yes. I, I read your weekly emails too, so <laughs> this is like an honor. I, you know, I think the honor is all mine. Just I, you know, we've talked back and forth via email and a little bit here and there in person, but actually like to sit down with you. This is like the first time we've sat down one on one. Yeah. So the honor is all mine. It's good. Shall I pour us a little bit of wine? Sure. Okay. So there's zero pressure. Okay. It's, uh, I always talk about, you know, um, the wine in the podcast being like a side note. And so if you want to comment on it, you can. If you don't, just enjoy it and uh, have fun. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've blind tasted. Well, you know, we got to keep our blind tasting skills up to par. I gotta say, I think it's Riesling. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> the last three I've done, so the last three podcasts that I've done, two of them have been Riesling. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So fun, fun, <clears> fun. <throat> and it's not the same Riesling that was two podcasts ago. Before I even saw it, and when I was thinking about it, it's like it's going to be 2010 Sweet Pea. <laughs> you know, I will tell you, it's not. <laughs> Because I, I know close. you have another bottle of that. <laughs> I have two bottles of it. You know, the first time that I was ever blind tasted, like when I first got in the industry, right. the retailer where I live in California, right. and he had one of those black glasses. Oh. So you don't know if it's white or red. Right. And I, of course, had no clue because I didn't even know anything about wine. It was my own Janus. And I, I mean, I, I didn't even know the wines in the portfolio right. at all. So I didn't get it, of course. But it was like, <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe he'll, he'll do it. Blind me on one of my own wines. I thought about it. I came super close, and then I found this one. And I'm like, ooh, ooh. yeah. So cheers. Cheers. Thank you. <clears throat> Do I get to ask any questions? Yeah, you ask away. I mean, I toward the end, I will reveal the wine. Okay. Okay. You know, so if you want to ask questions, I'll. I'll okay. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you some hints here and there, but I, you know, I'll give it away at the end. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, then I'll just contemplate it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I opened up this this afternoon, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I was very it's pleased. Pretty, yeah, yes. and it, it has a little age. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. I was contemplating over the last few days where to start. Mm-hmm. And to me, the quintessential place to start are your Sunday morning emails. Mm. It's always a pleasure to to get your email every single Sunday, you know, boom, 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 right on time. And it's, when I think about Brooks, I always kind of think about that Sunday morning email. It's personable, you're approachable, you know, and you're, you're, you're telling the story of like what's going on with you, what's going on with the family, what's going on with Brooks and mm-hmm. everything. 
How did you come up with that format? What was the inspiration for it? You know, it started with a company that we used to develop our website. <clears throat> and when she wanted to do the website, my heritage said, well, I've got to come visit you. I need to do a discovery visit. And I had never had a marketing person say that before, and let alone right. the fact she lived in New Zealand. Wow. So she came out here, spent four days here with the team. And when she got done, she said, you know, my biggest takeaway is there's emotion here. Like this place evokes emotion. It does. And so our challenge is going to be how do we get a website to do that? And how do we get communications to do that? Right. Which I knew in my heart probably meant at some point I would have to start writing the emails. Um, I had sourced that out for a long time. So they were transactional like most, most emails are. And, but I wasn't ready to do anything with it. And then COVID happened six months later. And I kept getting emails from wineries that I had subscribed to. There wasn't one mention of how are you? This is the weirdest time ever. Are you okay? They were completely transactional. And I thought, okay, now's the moment when I need to make sure that, you know, we're all human beings going through what turned out to be like the weirdest. We were just talking about it today. I was like, remember when we wore gloves to the grocery store because we thought we could get COVID from touching oh, things? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> right. And then you'd come home and wipe down everything. everything. And leave your box that got delivered outside on the doorstep for two days because the germs couldn't last that long. But right. anyway, yeah. um, I just, I really wanted to talk to people. And, and, right. <clears throat> and so that's when I started writing them. So I've only missed, I think, one week since... Now say end of March 2020. Nice. Well, I mean, I think you have a better track record than I do. I mean, there's at the holidays I take off. I'm like, I'm I'm done for two weeks. Yeah. Well, I did I did the holidays this oh. this just once. Okay. I think this this time, but nice. um, I enjoy it. I feel like it's um, I mean, I know people read them, right? You oh, look yeah. at your numbers. We we have five thousand or so that open it every week. Um, and it just keeps me connected. And sometimes, sure, am I trying to promote a wine? Absolutely. Sometimes am I not? Absolutely. So um, I just really try to mix it up and connect with people and, you know, putting my email and phone number in there. Right. Totally approachable. Uh, totally approachable. Like, why not? I, I think it, it's amazing. It's great. And, you know, I just kind of want to know what's what's going on. I mean, I get the, you know, first short little couple, couple paragraphs. And I'm like, oh. Well, this is what's going on. And see on Sunday that you're in New York. And that was just, yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, but they, you know, it takes, it's funny because you know, because you do the same, right? It's a, it's a big commitment. It is. It takes three plus hours a week. It does. Um, And I don't think of myself as a consistent person, but for whatever reason, this has been important enough to me that I've been super consistent at it and I don't see it stopping. Good. I I, I don't want it to stop. Yeah. We, we and we always have plenty to talk about at Brooks. So yes, you always you have a lot going on. Yes, yes. always. When uh, one of the the things that just uh, one of the highlights when I come to visit mm-hmm. is the food from mm-hmm. Chef Norma. Mm-hmm. How in the world did you find her? And like she is just a gemstone and just a dynamic, wonderful person. You know, she um, is friends or was prior to me ever meeting her friends with our winemaker and his wife. And we kind of got into a crunch. It was right before a wine club event. We needed some help. Um, and so she volunteered to come in just temporarily and help us. And then after being here for three months, we were like, huh, you like it here. Now you're dating someone here. 
you're amazing. You know, how would you like to do this? She was catering at the time, so she didn't have other obligations really and um, brought her in. And she's just really taken our food program with the wine pairings to a whole nother level. Yes. And, you know, the way that that process works is I sit down about two weeks before the beginning of the following month and I pick the wines because it's always about the wines and then send her those wines and then she tastes through them all and then develops what she wants the pairings to be for that month. It, it is amazing. Her uh, her Brussels sprouts are yeah. like the cult following. <laughs> they are. They are. And I have to tell you, we I made Brussels sprouts in my air fryer the other night. <laughs> they were awful, burnt, and shriveled. Like I was like, you can have them all because there's not very much left. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we've been spoiled with enormous Brussels sprouts. Oh, you, um, summer of 2020, there was, you know, you had a, uh, a, a socially distanced dinner out in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was absolutely gorgeous. And I have to say, that was the first time I've ever had octopus. Uh And I saw it and I'm like, I don't know about this. But it was fantastic. If it's tender, it's amazing. Yeah. Right? It's delicious. Yes. But I think of it too, like your initial instinct is it's going to be rubbery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But when it's not, it's really good. It is really, really good. Yeah. We briefly touched on that you were in New York and then you, you know, went home and now you're out here. Over this past summer, you know, I saw you at the Wine Media Conference, and mm-hmm. then in October, you were at another event. I, I have to ask, do you have, like, any cloned robots or something of yourself? <laughs> I mean, how do you you're, – you're constantly all over the place. Well, and I haven't been, right, for the last couple of years. So it's, it's been interesting going into the thought of travel again um, and even going to New York because when I would go into a city, I would – go visit everybody I possibly could and would just run myself ragged, right? But I figured that's why I'm there, there to go, you know, show the face of the brand, talk to people. So I actually took a little quieter this last trip to New York and had some me time. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a new, it's like one of those COVID lessons, right, Right. that we learned that I'm going to keep in trying to have me time in all of these trips. Um, But no, I have other people that travel too. Our, Our winemaker travels for us and our associate winemaker travels for us as well. And we're, you know, we're in 35 markets. So, but, but I'm going to be smarter about what I say yes to. I I think that's a good idea. Yeah. 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 Pre COVID it was like, sure, we should go to Provine in Germany, like a little far fetched in terms of actually being productive. Right. Um, so all that time at home got me to reset my priorities for travel. Well, I feel very honored that you said yes to this. To yeah, this. Thank yeah, you. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and this is a short trip. I don't normally just come up here for a week, um, but I have a few things going on that made sense. So that makes sense. Yeah. No. Um, legacy. Mm-hmm. There, you know, you sit down with other wineries. You know, they're working on you know building up a legacy or maintaining a legacy. Mm-hmm. You found yourself in kind of a, a unique position of you took Jimmy's idea of wanting to build legacy and you put that burden completely on your back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully in the next three to five years, that legacy will be passed on. Yes. Um, what. I'm, I'm curious. So what internal like foundational beliefs made you like on the flip of the dime? Hmm. 
yeah, want to continue that legacy so much? You know, survival, I think, for for of our family, the Brooks family, because we had lost our parents, Jimmy and I had, in 2000. Right. And then he unexpectedly passed away in 2004. And, like, that was it. Poof, boom, right? My right. whole family. Right. Um, I had moved away from Oregon. I grew up here in Portland, moved away to go to college, never came back, didn't think I'd ever come back. So this brought me back to Oregon, which was super important. And it reconnected me to family friends, childhood friends, Jimmy's friends. Right. So that, that was part of it, definitely, was, was kind of for myself to keep my family present in my life. Um, clearly, you know, Jimmy's friends shared with me that the only thing he mentioned he ever had to leave for his son was the winery. So there was a little bit of that. <laughs> Make, that makes sense, yeah. Yes. And especially, you know, when Pascal was eight years old, you know, had this not continued, had had it not continued, I don't know if he would be as connected to a lot of Jimmy's friends the way that he is. You know, the winery's just been this platform for connection for both him and I to stay as close to Jimmy as possible. Um, People with a heart like Chris, and and this was big for me too, you know, 12 different winemakers made our wine in 2004 when Jimmy passed, and a lot of them offered to continue to do that, but it was really when Chris tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, if you're thinking about at all continuing this, I'll come be your winemaker, and I'll keep it true to Jimmy's style and philosophy. Right. He's the only person I've ever learned from, and that was important to me, too. You know, we've really, we've really tried to keep it Jimmy's brand. And you've done a great job. I mean, we've grown it, for sure, because right. we had to, or we wouldn't have survived. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and we have a lot more wines and, obviously, a lot more vineyard contracts. But, you know, his core beliefs in Riesling and restoring the reputation of it, biodynamic farming, high-acid food-friendly Pinot Noirs, accessible price points, like, those are things that we haven't changed. Right. It's, uh, I was at, in, back in November, I was at De Lancelotti's mm-hmm. uh, kind of... Uh, Thanksgiving celebration and you know I was talking with Paul and you know just like he started talking about Jimmy just like he's still around yeah. and just yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing to his spirit is so alive out yeah. here in wine country yeah and it's and part of that's because this is here too right correct <clears throat> yes. you know it's 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 funny too because we for our 20-year anniversary a couple years ago um, we interviewed all the winemakers. We had Linfield was doing their interview series. And so right. we kind of piggybacked on that to do a little bit like, what's your favorite memory of Jimmy, favorite memory of Pascal? They all got asked back then, did you think the winery would still exist today? And I mean, I'll just never forget. I think it was Josh Bergstrom who just kind of giggled right. and was like, we all thought Janie was nice. <laughs> <laughs> But we didn't think she had a clue, you know? Well, and, and in reality, you didn't. I didn't, but no. Yeah. You so. made it work. Yeah. 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 He's like, now she's a force. <laughs> you are. I mean, you have all those cloned robots out there, you know, doing doing all your evil deeds out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, and they're not evil deeds. I'm just, yeah. I'm playing. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. it's it's good. It, it feels good. It does. Yeah. 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 It's... Uh, I know when I first came across the story, I was just like, <gasps> and I just, that was a huge rabbit hole. So it's, yeah, uh, it is quite a story. And very much the vision of those 12 winemakers to keep the brand alive, right? They easily could have taken the fruit, kept it for themselves and said, you can shut it down. And I would have probably said, okay, to that too. Right. Cause right. I just didn't, I didn't know the difference really. 
Right. That's that's the spirit of of the Oregon wine community. Oh, it is. It is so important, and so it's so real, and it's still, um, it's just still here in so many ways. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Pascal. A few weeks ago, you know, Pascal was on a Zoom, mm-hmm. and it was so amazing to to see him on the Zoom and to hear him, you know, talk and. Uh, I mean, I've seen him in recorded video, but like in real time, it yeah. was it was absolutely amazing. Um, but so, in three to five years, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of the the time frame that it's looking like. I know that you've slowed, you know, trying to slow down, you know, for COVID, you know, but in a lot of respects, you remind me of. Uh, Tom Cruise and Top Gun, right? <laughs> and you kind of feel that you, you need, mm-hmm. you, you have that need for speed, yeah, right? And I can imagine that once the transition is complete, you know, that first year, you're going to be like, yes, I'm done. And you're going to go travel and have some fun. But I can't imagine Janie just kind of sitting by the poolside with, you know, yeah, pretty no. umbrella no, drinks. That won't happen. I didn't that think won't so. Happen. You so, know, my my vision really for him, and we haven't specifically talked about this, but you know, one of the things he's learned from being in Europe, different from being here, was just how connected he was to the vineyard, right? In the European wineries, and how it starts there, which we all know it starts there. But when you're working harvest at Brooks, you're receiving the grapes on the sorting line. Like you're really not spending a lot of time in the vineyard, and we've right. never had our own vineyard team. We've always outsourced that. So I really think when he comes back, he's going to want to have a big role in the vineyard, which is part of my, you know, that's like one more thing I can mark off my list of what mm-hmm. I want to do accomplish. Right. As well as be in production. Um, he won't be able to run the business side of things, but he definitely can be the face of the brand. So he can go to New York and he can do all these other things like that definitely right. will come off my back. Um but no, there's always challenges to keep the brand pushing forward, right? right? Like I actually had a great meeting today that people will find out about in a couple of weeks of Ooh. some new thing that we're doing that's going to be really, really cool. I can't wait to hear about yeah. it. Yeah, and I love to do that stuff. Okay. If so, that's all I had to do, that would be fine. Okay. Well, good. You're not going away. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. No, no. Good, good, good. Talking about that Zoom call. Yeah. Oh, uh, in the background, you know, there were shelves and shelves of books. Oh, uh, I have multiple questions here. It's just... Behind Pascal. Yes. Yes. Um, and I asked him, you know, what mm-hmm. is your current book that you're reading? Mm-hmm. And he said The Overstory. And, you know, to kind of sum up what The Overstory is, the, the synopsis of that book, it's a, a book for all readers who despair of humanity's self-imposed separation from the rest of creation who hope for the transformative regeneration possibility of a homecoming. If the trees of the earth could speak, what would they tell us? Listen, there's something you need to hear. So my first question is, how in the world does a 26-year-old <laughs> even like want to read such a book? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so much of that has been his endless chase to know his father better. Jimmy was an avid reader. I mean, I think, you know, is it Anna Karina? The I've picked I, up the I, I've picked up that book ten times because my brother told me to read it, <laughs> and I can't right. finish it. Like, 
I don't, I don't come from that cloth. And, right. and Pascal obviously comes from his dad right. to where they journal and they read. He always has two to three books on his person at all times. He's never just reading a book ever. Right. I, I, and I can, yeah, I it just, if I, I, speechless, right? Yes. Just, yes. Yeah. Um, he can talk circles around me. I mean, he, you know, he's such an old soul and so wise for a 26 year old. And part right. of it comes from all that reading. I, I can imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many books that was on those bookshelves. And yeah. So my, then my second question is, do you think all those books are coming with him when he comes back? Oh, probably. Okay. Yeah. That's and, a, he, and he has a whole collection at home too. Wow. I think his two favorite things that he took from his dad were books and journals and then his dad's coats. His coats? <laughs> his coats. <laughs> Jimmy had a lot. Okay. I didn't, big, haven't heard long about this. leather. Wow. I mean, very Eastern European looking. Right. Big army coats. Big, yeah. So that's he has awesome. all of Jimmy's coats too. That's awesome. Yeah. I. That's a new, that's a new one for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, so I'm just running through these questions like crazy a little bit quick. Um, you've now been kind of in the wine industry for almost 20 years, like 17, I believe. Yeah. Uh, would you, and normally I ask this question to winemakers, Mm. but would you consider wine art? Absolutely. Okay. You know what it was? I came out of competitive healthcare when I got into this industry. And my first thought was, why do they want to take our grapes? What do they want to take from us? Right. right? It was all about, do they want to know our secrets? Do they want to know, you know, all, I mean, I, I had no clue. And pretty early on, then I just learned about this series of hundreds of decisions that are made both in the vineyard and in the winery. And I saw a lot of the difference in decision-making come through the wines that were made by the other winemakers and the types of questions that they were asking about how Jimmy would have handled a certain situation or what his fermentation temperatures were, or, you know, the, the whole process that they were doing their best to mimic it. Right. Um, but they definitely had their own expression. And, and that's when I really learned that now it is, it is wide open. Right. And, and it is an art for sure. I, I, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. And, and Jimmy's approach to winemaking, too, I think, helped me learn that. You know, he was using two and a half ton fermenters, making 2,500 cases when he passed away. And he did that so he could have multiple blending components. And, you know, we still use two and a half ton fermenters, making 17,000 cases. Wow. Um, for that very same reason, so that you can kind of get to style and balance for a particular wine without having to manipulate it because you've, you've treated that clone from that particular vineyard separate and by itself the whole way through the winemaking process. That's amazing that you're still, you know, keeping that same philosophy and yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I have some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Oh, normally I ask this, like people are doing harvest or whatever. So what is the, what is the music? that is blasting during harvest? Well, that's, that's all Chris's decision. But what's really interesting is we just had to do bios right. as a company for our new website that's launching this week. And I picked my karaoke song as Rapper's Delight, and our winemaker picked 
Rapper's Delight as his karaoke song. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so you just total separate? Total and like, separate. Yeah. Now, there was a lot this this harvest. Um, I knew Chris was having a happy harvest because the pictures, the videos he would send me were when his disco ball was rolling down in the press room. And right. I think Little Red Corvette was one of the songs. Um, so he had, he had some prints playing nice, in the nice. cellar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um this cannot be anything that Chef Norma makes. Okay. But what is your favorite indulgent food? Rack of lamb. You know, you like rack of lamb a lot. I do. Yeah. I do. Okay. Um, and ice cream. What flavor? I like, you know, I like like a thin mint. Interesting. It's something with like a, you know, the shavings. Right. Not like big chunks of chocolate. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. No. You just yeah. want that little hint. You just that little, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. If you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Ooh. Reading minds. Oh. <laughs> you know, I told that to a previous podcast. They asked uh-huh. me, and they're like, that's kind of creepy. And I'm like, it, it kind of is, but it would still be pretty darn cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd learn a lot. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yes. Um, Chris's harvest notes, do you know if they're handwritten or if they're digital? They're all in his head. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the rest of the team um, right. utilizes software okay. now so that we, we do have it all automated now, which is great. I would expect nothing less. Yes, yes. It's, a, it's been on his goal list for multiple years now to learn the software. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, learning software is... <clears throat> but you know what? At some point, he and I, like, we don't have to learn every trick. That's right? true. We've been here for a long time. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. Yeah. Do you have a favorite superhero? Well, Wonder Woman. Of course. <laughs> I get that that answer so much. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then what was the last book that you read? Oh. Um, what book am I just, I'm just finishing one by Jeffrey Archer, just like a mindless novel, right? Okay. I like his books. Right. Um, can't think of the name of it. It's all about climbing Mount Everest. I think it's okay. like. Days of Glory or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. You know, I read a lot of business books, and I know that, you know, that was your response back to Pascal, too, when we were on the Zoom. Right. But I am, you know, another COVID learning, trying to get off my screen an hour before I go to sleep. Right. And reading a business book at 9 o'clock <laughs> at night, it's like, yeah, I read a page. <laughs> so I've, like, gotten back into just trying to read kind of mindless, fun it's, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. a nice way to relax. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, shall I reveal the wine? Yeah. Oh, path, oh. Paths of Glory. That's what Oh, it's Paths called. of yes, Glory. Yes. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. Would you have any any guesses? Do you want to take any guesses? Do you have questions? Let me... I mean, it's it's totally up to you. There's no no pressure. It's dry. It's Riesling. I would say it's in the eight to ten year old category. Okay. Maybe. Okay. It is a 2006 Holleran Shahela ah. Mountain. Oh, okay. So a lot older. Yeah. But dry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's fun because we, the La Chenet wines that we make. Yes. Bill Holler and farms them. Yeah. No, yeah. I, he, he's doing some amazing stuff up there. Yeah, he is. He is. I was 
Our hearts were kind of ripped out when he bought on a vineyard, though, and grafted it all over to Pinot Noir. <laughs> we're like, wait, Bill, you're a Riesling producer. <laughs> Don't do that. Yes. But that was what got us connected to La Chenet. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's doing a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. You know, I... Of course. I have no other questions, and okay. I appreciate it so much. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course. All right. Thanks. <laughs>